Okay, that's it for right now. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10 here this morning. 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. We will be concluding our Bible study in the life or the early life of Samuel because after this, uh, his life takes off as a prophet and God uses him in a mighty way. But we're focusing on Samuel's early life, his childhood, and how God brought him to the point of faith where he became a great, great prophet for the kingdom of God. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse number 1, let's pray for the uh, ministry of the word and also for the offerings that we're going to receive here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do pray for the offerings that we've been receiving, Lord God, and uh, we can't even pass the offering bags around because of the COVID restrictions, but still, Lord, your people have been faithful. They have been loyal. They have been generous, Lord God, and now as we prepare for this outreach uh, in December, I pray that you will continue, Lord God, to move on our hearts. For those that are able, that are working right now, that are healthy right now, that we would be a support and a blessing to those that aren't working and that are struggling right now, Lord, that we can help and bless each other during this these difficult days that we're living in. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless the finances. We also want to pray for the reading of your word, anoint it, give it life, and I pray for myself that you will help me, Lord God, to communicate effectively, organize my thoughts, my words words. Let this Lord God service just flow. That will, It will minister life and encouragement and if necessary, correction to your people. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Very good. Okay, First Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse number 1. The Bible says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. All right, so as we, begin, as we conclude this section of Scripture concerning the early life of this young boy named Samuel who later on became a great prophet of God in Israel, last week we learned from verse 1 that it was a season where God was being silent and there were no visions. We also learned that Eli the priest had lost his way. He lost his sight of God. He compromised and deviated from the law of God. He favored his sons more than God. And in a sense, he jeopardized 
jeopardize the well-being of the people of God. We also learned that the lamp of God was going out. The oil was running dangerously low. The light was getting dimmer and dimmer. And darkness was about to take over. But then we focused on verse 10. And 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10 says this. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Now again, the fact that God spoke with an audible voice to Samuel, that by itself is an amazing thing. But last week we focused on the first part of verse 10. What does the first part of verse 10 say? It says, the Lord came and stood there. We learn that even when God seems silent, even when it seems that we don't hear anything from our God, even when it seems that we don't know what to do or what we can or, or how to find our way, even when it seems that all hope is gone and there's no way out, even in our most de- desperate and darkest hour, even though it seems that we are walking around like blind men and have absolutely no direction in life, we're stumbling, we're falling, we're tripping, and even when our leaders comp- are compromising and acting foolish, guess what? God is still there. Church, I want to encourage you, no matter how chaotic or maddening or crazy your life may be, don't worry. God is still there right with you going through it. Don't give up on the Lord. He's right there. The Bible says he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. The Lord was standing there the whole time, and God sees Samuel in the house of God in the presence of the Lord, Samuel is hanging out with God in God's house. Even though there was nothing going on, Samuel was faithful, and he stayed faithful to the Lord. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? And that's the message for all of us. Even if it seems like you're praying and crying out to God, and nothing is happening, nothing is changing, you keep close to the Lord. You stay faithful to God. Keep doing the things that you need to do to stick close to the Lord. As I said last week, in our darkest hour, when we don't know what to do or are lost or we've lost our way, what should we do? We, we, where, where, where should we be? We should be in the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. When we pray and cry out to God and all we hear is silence, where should we be? In the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. When we pray and cry out to God and we have no vision, no insight, no understanding, no revelation, where should we be? In the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. When all hope seems gone and we find ourselves at our wits end and in a state of desperation where should we be we should be in the house of God in the presence of the Lord when all hope seems gone and we find ourselves in a desperate situation we need to be in the house of God we need to be in the presence of the Lord when we read the Bible and it seems dry and insignificant and irrelevant to our reality where should we be in the house of God in the presence of the Lord regardless of what you may be going through regardless of the state or condition of your marriage regardless of the state or condition of your finances regardless of the state or condition of your health regardless of your state or condition of your family of your circumstances stay close to the Lord stay faithful to God be Stay in his presence in the house of God, church. Don't let anything take you away from your relationship to Jesus. Nothing. And in this time where there was no word from God, in this time where there was no vision being received from God, in this time where it seemed like darkness would consume the light, 
God shows us that he was always there, standing there in our midst. And God speaks to Samuel because Samuel was resting in God. Samuel was connecting with God in the same way that Josiah connected with God, in the same way that Joseph connected with God, in the same way that David connected with God. Now Samuel was connecting to the Lord. Samuel was hearing the voice of God. Samuel chose to seek after and serve the true and living God, just like you're doing here right now in church, regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstances, here you are in church. No matter how tough times may get, here you are in church, seeking after the Lord. Listen, if we keep doing this, we're going to connect with God, my friend. Something's going to happen. I believe that we would all agree that hearing God's voice, calling your name, would be an, an amazing thing. I mean, uh, I'm going to be up here. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to just tell you straight up. I have never heard the voice, the audible voice of God. Now, I hear God's voice every time I open up the Bible. This is God's word. This is God speaking to us through his word. Even the book of Hebrews says that in the last days, God speaks to us through his son, the word of God. So we rely on this to keep us and to take us through life. Can you say amen, church? But here in this situation, Samuel heard the audible voice of God. Just like you're hearing my voice right now, God, Samuel heard God's voice. And I think that we would all agree that this was an amazing thing. But church, what is fascinating is that God was calling Samuel, and Samuel didn't know that it was God calling him. Samuel needed help in being able to recognize that God was calling him. God called out to Samuel in an audible voice, in a voice that was familiar to Samuel, in a voice that was comfortable and secure for Samuel. God called out to Samuel in an audible voice that sounded like Eli the priest. That lets us know, church, that when God does want to communicate with us, He's going to use a voice that's familiar to us. Did you hear what I just said? Because if God were to use his godly voice, how many of you know that we would probably pulverize us? Can you say amen? It would freak us out. Most of us would say, God, I don't want to hear from you. It's too freaky. It's too crazy. But God used a voice that Samuel was comfortable with hearing. But yet Samuel didn't know or recognize that it was God speaking to him. So today, as we conclude this section of Scripture in Samuel's early life, I want to focus on verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8. Let me read it to you. It says this. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli, the priest, realized that the Lord was calling the boy. The last part of verse 8 says, Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. If God starts speaking to you in an audible voice, and he uses Pastor Jerry's voice, please do not call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. It is not Pastor Jerry. It's God speaking to you. Wake up your dad or your mom. What blows me away is that Samuel didn't realize 
that God was calling him. All three times that God called Samuel's name, Samuel did not know it was God talking to him. Samuel thought it was Eli, the priest, a voice that was familiar to him. And again, as I said before, God had to do it this way because if he would have used any other voice, it would have blew Samuel away. Eli may have had some issues, but he was still experienced enough to recognize that God was calling Samuel. Something was going on. Something was up. Remember, up to this point, Samuel was just a regular kid. Up to this point, nothing was going on. Up to this point, everything was quiet. Everything was, everything was silent. But now there was some action going on in the Holy Spirit, and God used Eli as an elder to recognize that God was calling out to Samuel. God was using Eli to help Samuel know and recognize that God wanted to do something special in his life. The same thing happened In the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord, when God used Mary, his mother, to guide him in his early years of his life. Listen to what it says here concerning Christ, our Lord, in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 16 through 19. I know that we're coming up on Christmas, and this is probably more appropriate for a Christmas. But this is a part where the shepherds are in their field, and the angels appear in the sky announcing the birth of the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the, and the shepherds see this wonderful, glorious vision of angels up in the sky. And listen to what it says here. So they, the shepherds, hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And this verse 19 is key. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. In other words, Mary was recognizing, hey, something's going on here. My son is very special. There's some special activity going on. And the Bible says that she treasured these in her heart. Then later on in Jesus' life, when he was about 12 years old, Mary, again, recognizing that God was doing something amazing in the life of of baby Jesus, and she treasured it in her heart. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through uh, 51. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is important because God 
tells us multiple times in the Bible that one of the things that he's going to do in the last days is pour out his spirit on our children, on our teenagers, and even on our elders. How many of you know that we are in the last days? Can you say amen, church? I mean, there's some crazy things happening right now. And God says, hey, when you see these crazy things happening, guess what? Get ready because I'm going to pour out my spirit and I'm going to pour my spirit out on your kids and on your teenagers and on your elders and I'm going to do some powerful things. Listen, up to this point, Samuel is just an ordinary kid going to church, hanging out with God. Nothing special. Nothing special was going on around him and nothing was going on special in his own life. He was just an ordinary kid. Just like I see Jacob over here and Raymond over here and Bella over here. And uh, let me see. I forget your brother's name. Marvin. Marvin over here. A teenager. Okay. And I saw a young man way in the back. I'm probably scaring him out of his mind. Poor guy. Here he is going to church for the very first time. And the pastor's pointing him out. But you know what? God has got his eye on you kids. I see Emmanuel back there. Ordinary kids just trying to live their life. They can't even go to school right now. Everything's all messed up. Ordinary kids. But God says, get ready, kids. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And guess what? It's going to come on you. I'm going to do something in you. Everything may be ordinary. Everything may be natural. And everything may be like, like normal. Nothing special. No, 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 no. But when God moves in, guess what? Things begin to happen. Samuel was just an ordinary kid. But God said, I'm calling you out. I'm going to anoint you. And you're going to start doing some special things for the kingdom of God. Listen to how many times God says he's going to do this. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, For I will pour water on the thirsty land. Church, does our community, does America need God right now? I mean, we need it now. We need God more now than ever before, believe me. We're all confused and messed up. It says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about our kids. That's what he's talking about. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Again, in Acts chapter 2. 
Verses 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again he says it in Acts chapter 2 verses 38 and 39. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off even as many as our Lord our God will call. As many as the Lord our God will call. As many as the Lord our God will call. I'm going to say one more time. As many as the Lord our God will call. And guess what? He's going to call on you. And he's going to anoint you, church. The Bible tells us that in the last day, our God is going to be very active and calling out especially to our kids, especially to our teenagers. But the reason I wanted to focus on 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8 was that God was calling out to Samuel and Samuel didn't realize that it was God calling out to him. And I don't know about you, but that blows me away. That's amazing. That God could be actually calling and yet the people that he's calling out to don't even realize that he's calling out to them. But Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And guess what? Our Lord may very well be calling or speaking or reaching out to our kids and they may not even know it. And it will require that we as parents and even church leaders recognize that God is calling out to our kids and teens to help them understand what God is doing. Did you hear what I just said? They don't know. They don't understand. They're just kids. They're young. They haven't experienced a lot of things in Christ. And when we as parents or church leaders recognize or see certain things, it's up to us to start what? Treasuring them in our heart, noticing certain things, and saying, wow, God, you know what? It looks like you're trying to get my son or daughter's attention. I'm going to ponder this. I'm going to treasure this in my heart. I'm going to keep my eye on things here to see what's going on. You know, I've been on many youth retreats. Uh, In the beginning, when I first came to this church, it was in 1982, and I was a young guy. I was going on retreats during that time. Uh, Then after that, I became the youth pastor and Started going to retreats because I was leading the retreats. And even as a pastor, I still kept going to the retreats because I love going to the retreats and I love watching the kids and how God moves on the lives of our, of our kids. So if I started in 82, we usually have two retreats a year, a summer retreat and a winter retreat. I did the math before I came up here because I'm not good at math under pressure. Okay? So that's... Uh, That's 38 years times two retreats each year. That's 76 retreats that I've been on 
that are just youth retreats, okay? And, and when you add the men's retreats that I go on every year, that's over 100 retreats that I've been on. Now, as a pastor, when I go now on youth retreats, I can't help but to notice that once in a while, one of our young people is attracted to the altar like a magnet on their own. While the other kids are fidgeting and talking and flirting and checking out the cute guys or the cute girls or messing around or doing it, there's one or two out of the whole bunch that somehow they're drawn to the worship. They're drawn to the preaching of the Bible. They're being drawn by the Spirit of God to connect with God. You guys listen to what I'm saying. Okay? I mean, I notice it, and I see it. All right? Ordinary kids, but there's something in them, something going on in them where I sense or discern, and you can see clearly that God is wanting to... They're paying attention. They're listening. They're open. God is there for all of them, but not all of them respond. And for you parents that have seen this in your children, maybe when they were young, they were, and when they were young, they, they were really attracted to the things of God. They were really drawn by the Spirit. And you saw it. And you as mom or dad, you ponder this and you remember this. Oh, my son. Oh, my daughter. Man, they love church. They love worship. They love da-da-da. But then they become teenagers. They become teenagers and they get distracted. Parents, don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on them because God is still drawing them in. I want you to know that. God is still drawing them in. Now, it just so happens that I was talking to a couple of our church. They're kind of new to our church. And uh, their names are Gabriel and Anna. And uh, they have a daughter named Hannah. Who is, that, is that your oldest child, you guys? Hannah? Is she your oldest? Who is the Is it Gabriel the oldest? So Gabriel's the oldest. Okay, very good. So now the first one that I got to know was Hannah because she was coming to church with our youth group uh, together with Jasmine and the Garcia family. And she would stop by and she would participate in our youth groups and stuff like that. She would come. And uh, Gabriel also, I got to know him a little bit. Very intelligent guy, Gabriel. Very smart. A very high-tech guy, very smart, very talented with music. He went on a couple of retreats with us, okay? And I was talking to uh, Gabriel and Anna. Uh, I don't know. the. They have a total of five children. I don't know the others because they're younger, but I do know Hannah and I do know Gabriel because they would hang out with the young people here at church. Uh, and I was talking to Gabriel and Anna, and they were telling me about their fifth born, and her name is Annabelle, Okay? And because I'm talking about Samuel, and because I'm talking about the call of God on Samuel's life, when I was hearing their story, I said, you know what? Would you mind sharing this story with the church? Because I believe in the same way that I was blessed by hearing your story about your little girl, Annabelle. I think the church will be blessed and encouraged in hearing the story. So I'm going to call them up here. Can, Can you guys come up here really quick, please? Let's welcome them as they come up, okay? They were debating whether or not to even come to church today because they were scary, so scared of the thought of, of uh, coming up here to talk. But they are here, and they accepted my invitation to share their little story here. Okay. 
and I appreciate that. Come all the way up here. So, Anna, I'm going to have you take this microphone here, okay, and speak into it. And I want you to tell us your, the same thing, basically, that you told me. And if, just to help you out a little bit, if you could start, actually, after she was born, okay, then she got ill, and then tell us what happened after the doctors find out what was going on, okay? Hello, can you hear me? So um, this is Annabelle, and uh, <laughs> at 10 days old, you know, she was in the hospital. She got our. She was 10 days old. She um, she got RSV, which is a respiratory disease, and uh, so she was in the hospital a couple of days because she needed some help breathing, and uh, it kind of took a turn for the worse. Um, one of her lang lungs ended up collapsing and the other one was partially collapsed and with some pneumonia in it. And so, uh, you know, the doctor just said, we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and put her on a ventilator and give her some help. And, uh, you know, just, she'll be on it maybe for about a week and she'll be okay. And so that was the plan and they went ahead and they were ready to do the procedure. They let us stand by to watch. It would be done in about 10 minutes and she'll be hooked up to a machine and she'll be good. Well, 10 minutes turned into about maybe five or six hours. They went ahead and were trying to insert the tube in her and they couldn't get it. Little by little as that time went on, they started calling more respiratory technicians. They started calling doctors from their homes to come out. Um, they kept bagging her because uh, she was turning purple she was purple on the table. Um, there was a nurse that was with us that was uh, really shocked about what was going on. And uh, she was there just to kind of explain the procedure. And when it all turned sour, she had no words for us. And um, we just prayed and prayed. And um, they went ahead and they kept giving her uh, injections to start her heart because her heart kept stopping. And uh, this went on for quite a few hours. And at the end of the morning, because this started around 7, 8 at night, and it ended about 5 in the morning, um, they finally were able to get the tube in. And their looks on their faces just were completely draining. They were just so drained. The doctors, the respiratory technicians, the nurses, us, I'm sure we looked the same, just everybody was so drained from trying to save her life. And um, as Pastor Jerry put it, you know, God spared her life and, you know, answered our prayers to keep her alive. And she ended up being in the hospital for about three weeks, but she's perfectly fine, no brain damage, no no learning disabilities, nothing. She's the, like her oldest, bright as a, she's absolutely amazing little girl. And, uh, you know, I was sharing with Pastor Jerry, we just, uh, I, I don't usually talk about that situation with anyone. Um, but I happened to, I don't know, it just came out of me one day to share it when he was with us at the court that day. And it just came out of me, and I was sharing to him that she has such a special connection with God and the Holy Spirit, because out of all our kids, she's 
the one that's like the <laughs> first one to be, when we pray at night together with the kids, she'll say, Mom, I want to pray. I want to pray. And I'm next. And can I be first? You know, at the table, too. She wants to be the first one and always wants something to say. Um, my daughter has sent me videos of her uh, while my daughter's getting ready, and this one's on her bed, just saying, God is with you. God is with you. We don't know what she's talking to, but she's saying it to someone, you know, maybe to herself. And God is with you. God is with you. And, you know, or she'll tell me sometimes, Mom, God is watching. <laughs> you know, she'll remind me. Um, uh, she's just so in touch with her Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and with God that I feel there's a connection. And I'm just, I'm so thankful, you know, to our Lord for giving her and saving her life. Amen. Gabriel, did you want to share anything, Dad? I know it's scary being up here, but did you want to share anything? Hello, church. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that we've also noticed with her is when we lost our uh, nephew, uh, little Tony, back in January, um, Annabelle, she always goes with us to the cemetery, and she's always there saying hi, and she talks, and she looks up, and she always says, I see Tony, and he's talking to me, and, and she always tells us that, and it's kind of amazing that, you know, she's only three years old, so for her to say that and to remember her cousin and to tell us every now and then, too, that she sees him and that he's doing good, you know, it really touches us. Mm -hmm. So we're very lucky. We're blessed. Amen. Very good. So church, let's pray. Let's just extend our hands. God may be doing something here. Maybe not. I don't know. But this is just as an example, to serve as an example of how God, if we're open to it, can speak to our kids and connect with our kids in a very special way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're thankful that Annabelle is alive, first of all. Thank you that you spared her life. Very similar, Lord God, to uh, Samuel's story, Lord Jesus, where Samuel was a miracle child. Hannah was not able to have any children. She was barren for years and years and years. She could not have any kids. And then she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And then finally, you gave her a miracle baby boy. You gave her Samuel. Samuel is a miracle baby. And now in this situation... Annabelle is also a, like a miracle baby because you spared her life, Lord God. She wasn't doing well. The doctors were exhausted. They didn't know what to do. But you pulled her through. You helped her. You, gave, you chose to spare her life. And we celebrate that miracle here right now, Lord God. And now the, the parents, Lord God, this is their fifth child, but there's something that they're noticing that's special. And all they're doing is that they're just treasuring it in their heart. They're pondering it in their heart. They don't know where this is leading. They don't know where it's going. They don't, they, they don't understand a lot of things, just like we don't understand a lot of things. But, Lord God, they're, they're giving it up to you, and they're surrendering her to you, Lord God, as well as all her kids. And so, Lord, we just pray for Annabelle that you will just continue to speak to her and anoint her, bless this family, help the parents, Lord God, to nurture this, to encourage this, to keep her in church, and to keep her close to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for doing that for us, okay? That was awesome. Amen. So church, in 2020, does God still speak to our kids? Can you say amen? I'm going to conclude just by saying this. Now remember, up to this point, Samuel's just an ordinary kid. Some of you parents may be out there saying, well, you know, I just have an ordinary kid. 
nothing special going on, nothing significant going on. I want you to know something. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to anyone he wants. You as parents, just stay open. Just be aware that we are in the last days. And be open to the fact that God does want to pour out his spirit on our kids. And you be sensitive. You be sensitive to the move of God in your family and to your children. And you be ready to respond like Eli was ready to respond to Samuel. You guys following me so far? Amen? Listen, remember, I want you to put on your thinking caps. Remember we talked about David. David was just an ordinary kid, all right? Now, put on your thinking caps. When we studied the life of David, did his father, Jesse, notice anything special about David? Anybody? No. Nothing special about David. As a matter of fact, what we learned was that Jesse, the father, saw David as insignificant, runt, invisible, least likely to succeed, unimportant, last one to be picked on a team to play basketball or football or any kind. In other words, nothing was going on in David's life that was significant enough to catch the eye or the ear or the heart of his dad. And yet, God called David out and God used David to become a great king. For Israel. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? So even though you heard this remarkable, very unique, very powerful testimonial of this young girl that God touched after 10 days of life and spared her life. And now it seems like she has this special connection going on. That's good. And that's great. And that's fantastic. And that's wonderful. But I want to encourage the rest of you out there that are raising your kids and it seems like nothing's going on. I want you to know that does not matter to God. In the same way that God touched David, God can touch your son or your daughter and use them to do great things. Now, put on your thinking caps again. Put on your think about Bible here, okay? Remember Joseph. We talked about Joseph, one of 12 boys. Okay, first of all, who can tell me the name of Joseph's dad, the dad of those 12 boys? What's his name? Jacob. Very good. I heard some whispers, some scary whispers. Am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Should I say it? Should I not say it? It's Jacob. Okay, good guess. It was Jacob. Okay, and remember, Joseph was a dreamer. When Joseph shared his dreams with his dad, Jacob, how did Jacob respond to Joseph when he heard the dreams. What, how did he respond? Negatively. He rebuked him. He says, who do you think you are? This is why we as parents, we have to be very, very careful about how we respond to our kids that are wanting to get close to the Lord or hearing from the Lord. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? Fortunately, in Eli's case, if you look, if you read the rest of the story, we're not going to do it right now. I'm going to conclude right now. In Eli's case, after Samuel shared with Eli the priest what God spoke to him, even though it was against Eli and even though it was against his household and his boys, Eli continued 
to encourage Samuel. Eli continued to nurture and support Samuel. That's what we have to do with our kids because God is getting ready to do something with our kids, with our teenagers. If we can see all these young people out on the streets, out there for the devil, getting all crazy and, and doing violent and, and, and destroying, and guess what? We need to see our young people on fire for Jesus doing good and so that people can get saved. Can you say amen? We need to see some radical young people and children standing up for the things of God so that people can get saved and get to know our Creator. And guess what, church? It could be your son and your daughter that God is going to use. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we, pray, as we conclude, Lord God, this part of Samuel's life, I pray, Lord God, that the church and those that are viewing online will continue to study the life of Samuel because from this point on, Samuel becomes a great prophet. You begin, Lord God, to use him to speak powerful things to the nation of Israel and you use him, Lord God, to bring Israel out of bondage, to bring Israel out of slavery, to bring Israel out of darkness and, Lord God, you used Samuel to do great things for the kingdom of God. And Lord, in these last days that we're living in, we're believing by faith that you, God, are going to use our kids, Lord God. Kids like Raymond and Jacob and Bella, Lord God. And kids, Lord like, like Emmanuel and all the other children that are here, Lord God. Part of our children's church program. And Annabelle, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Even for those kids that seem ordinary, that seems like nothing's going on. It seems like there's nothing special. Lord God, they are special to you. They are very special and very important to you. And as parents and as leaders, Lord God, we surrender our kids to you. Let your will be done in their lives, Lord. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus, and I want to do that here today. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want salvation. I need forgiveness of sin. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand and we will pray. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Just lift up your hand and we will pray here tonight, this morning. Anyone at all. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we conclude this service here this morning, we pray, Lord God, that you would be with your people. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful family, for, for Gabriel and Anna that came up and, and, and shared this very special and personal testimonial and, and sharing this miracle, Lord God, that you gave. Let this be the beginning, Lord God, of them being used of you to share the power and the faithfulness of God, Lord Jesus, that you chose to spare this little girl's life. And Lord God, as, as a church body, we submit our ourselves to you, Lord God, in these last days to do with us as you will. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Let's give glory to God here this morning. Amen. God bless you, church.